0: and welcome to Avid Travel with Britton Frost. I, of course, am your host, Britton Frost. And today we are joined by one of our readers, Paulette Hannah, who is going to be talking to us about a recent trip that she took on the Mekong aboard Ama Waterways Amadara. Now it was really fun for me to sit down and talk to Paulette about this trip because I took a similar trip aboard Ama Waterways back in 2009 when I was 14 years old and it was just such a great experience so I really really enjoyed hearing the insight of someone else and we were able to talk about you know how things varied from both of our trips and, you know, kind of some experiences that we shared. So it was really, really fun. Um, And then uh, for cruise news this week, we have Quasi-Europe, who has inaugurated a new ship, Amalia Rodriguez, and that is going to sail the Douro River. So um, that expands Quasi-Europe's Douro River fleet a little bit. Um, But they have quite a few ships in Portugal. In 2002, they introduced them. Vasco da Gama, which was the first ship on the Douro River, and then in 2003, uh, 2004, they introduced two ships, and then in 2015, they introduced one, 2017, one, and now in 2019, another one. So that brings us to a total of six ships on the Douro, which is great because people are really looking forward to sailing Portugal. But without further ado, we will go ahead and get into our interview with Paulette about her time on the Mekong with Alma Waterways. <laughs> Thank you Hello everyone today i am joined with paulette hannah and i am so excited because paulette was the first person to take advantage and actually kind of prompted us to start doing guest posts and guest reviews um, and you might have seen her actually in fact you probably did see her review of her cruise on the mekong aboard amadara and how are you doing today paulette i'm excellent thank you I'm excellent. delighted to be here uh, Yes, I am so delighted to have you. And, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to have a reader as part of this podcast, because it's never happened before. And you know what people want to hear. I mean, I would like to think that I know what people want to hear as well. But, you know, I'm so glad that you wanted to be a part of this. And it really does mean a lot. So I want to know a little bit about your history with travel before we get into um, your most recent cruise. So this was your second river cruise, correct?
1: Yes, it was. Our first river cruise was with also with Amal Waterways, and that was in November of 2017 along the Danube. And we had such a great experience with Amal Waterways. And a combination with us hearing about Vietnam and how great it is to travel to Vietnam now, we just decided to take the plunge. So we have traveled probably 12 different countries over the past 12 years, mostly on land tours, um, uh, secondarily by ourselves, planning our own trips, and uh, then a couple of small ship cruises, but this was only our second river cruise.
0: So how do you think that river cruise compares to the other modes of travel? Is it something that you enjoy more or the same?
1: I think that having traveled with small groups this particular river cruise had so many excursions that we had that small group experience again. And we like that small group experience, whether it's on land or on the ship. One of the advantages to a river cruise is that you're parked in the same spot for seven nights. So it's kind of nice not to be packing and unpacking like you would do, say, on a, on a land tour. Exactly.
0: Exactly. That's a point that I often make, you know, it's like, well, you're traveling and you get to see the same amount of things, but you're, you're in the same place and you can go back, you're, you know, your cabin starts to feel like home, even after a couple days.
1: Exactly. And it's such a comfortable place to be. The, the riverboats are, at least with Alma waterways, they're so luxuriant and they're, they, they just take care of every little thing. So it makes it a very comfortable experience.
0: Absolutely. And so you were on Amadara on this most recent sailing. I mean, you said that you you really enjoy the Amma Waterways product, but tell us a little bit about the ship, because I know that you did write about that in your piece, but just kind of, uh, we'll talk about the destination in a bit, but let's talk about the ship itself. What was your favorite part of the ship? Where did you spend most of your time? How was the food? You know, all of that.
1: Certainly. The ship was beautiful. It was new, I believe, in 2014, but it didn't feel four or five years old. It was comfortable. There were luxury linens. They turned our bed down for us every night. There was plenty of air conditioning. There were three levels on the ship, so it didn't have a feeling of being crowded. There were approximately 108 passengers on the ship. It had two or three places to dine. There was a chef's table where you could reserve for a more formal dining experience. And then the breakfast, lunch, and dinners were more of a buffet style, although at dinner you could order the chef's recommendation or you could order all the carts. And then there was a sun deck above that had a pool. It had a nice lounge area that was covered where you could enjoy hamburger and french fries at lunch if you didn't want to go to the lunch buffet or a, a, a local beer or a glass of wine. So it was very comfortable. The ship was very comfortable. Did they have the noodle bar on your ship? They did have the noodle bar. And as a matter of fact, my husband and I, Steve and I, got hooked on, on the ramen, uh, or the Vietnamese noodle soup. We had it for breakfast every single morning. And many of the people on the ship that we interacted with looked at us like, you're eating, you're eating that for breakfast? And we said, it's delicious. So we developed a, we developed a Vietnamese noodle soup habit that we brought home
0: with us. I know. And now you have to go find somewhere else that you can get it. I did the same thing. My dad and I took the same trip when I was 14. So nine years ago, and also with Ama Waterways, not on Amadara, as you said, it's a newer ship, but we were on La Marguerite, which is now out of service. But we ate those noodles all of the time, and they were so good. I just, I had to ask about that because I, it's just, that sticks out in my mind as something that was really fantastic. That and the rice paper candies. I don't know if you got to try those when you did the rice paper tour.
1: Yes, we did. We did. But no, we got hooked on the noodle soup, and every morning I would make it just a little bit spicier.
0: hmm yeah, just increase your it. tolerance as the cruise goes on. It's delicious, just it's delicious. Yes. So, talk. I mean, you said it's a hundred and eight people on the cruise. Did did you feel like you got to know a lot of people and Because I, I mean, when I went, I felt I felt like I knew almost everyone on the ship by the end of it.
1: Mm-hmm. We did, and the way they handle the excursions, they break the hundred and or so people up into smaller groups, so you never felt like you were. In, in this throng of people on your excursions, you always felt like you were with a small group traveling. They didn't mix those groups up during the course of the trip, which I think would have been nice. So you would have an opportunity to talk to people during the excursion. But they handled the group size pretty well. And then, of course, we interacted with people at lunch and dinner almost every... I mean, we didn't sit with the same people all the time, so we got a chance to meet lots of new people and talk to them about their travel experiences. And as we discovered, we think we're well-traveled, but then we meet other people who have traveled, and there are always people that have traveled much more than you have. So it's always enjoyable to talk about that.
0: The only person who I think that has never been in that situation is my father because I often feel like I've traveled (laughs) a lot too. And as you said, there's always Mm -hmm. someone who's done more. But I I would be hard-pressed to find someone who has traveled more than my dad. I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I mean what time you know you talked about breakfast what time did your day start what time did it end because I know that on river cruises with these itineraries your your day can be really really jam-packed
1: it can be yes the day started uh, I think breakfast started as early as 7 or 7 30 if I'm not mistaken uh the the tours usually left the ship about 8 30 uh, but we, uh, the way we travel, we, we like to light down before the tour starts so that we don't have any jet lag problems or don't feel like we're getting up too early in the morning for some of these excursions. And, of course, they are optional. So if you want to take a day off, you can do that.
0: But in a place as remarkable as Vietnam and Cambodia, you really don't want to miss anything.
1: You don't want to miss anything, exactly. And the ship, the activities on board the ship were so frequent that there was always something to do from you know, from late afternoon when you got back from your excursion all the way through to I suppose midnight. I I tend to not stay up till midnight, so I don't know if I missed anything, you know, after ten thirty at night, but there's plenty to do on the ships. There's onboard entertainment, they have they go parties, which I didn't go to, but they have wine tasting and they have karaoke and they have dancing at night. So there's plenty to do on board the ship.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess, I guess we need to talk about the destination as well. So, I, I mean, that is not an easy trek to make. It's, I, did you fly straight? I mean, obviously not straight. There were stops. But did you fly straight from South Carolina where you're living to uh, – did you start in Ho Chi Minh City?
1: The tour started in Ho Chi Minh City. We actually flew to Los Angeles. Since we're from Redondo Beach, we lived down there for a couple of days. That's about a six-hour flight from Charlotte. Then from there, we flew to Hong Kong because I had never been to Hong Kong, and Steve wanted to show me Hong Kong. So we lit down there for a couple of days. Then we flew to Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City for the start of the tour, which was about a three-hour flight. So we did that over the course of four days. So we like to break that up so that we were ready to go when the tour begins.
0: Oh, for sure, because I, I remember – I've got 14 years old flying from Asheville, which is a very small airport, to Atlanta, to Los Angeles, to Bangkok, to Ho Chi Minh City, all at once. And I think that it's a very smart way to travel is to break it up like that. And on the way back, we did stop in Los Angeles for a couple of days. But it, it can be exhausting, especially when, you know, we did overnight in a hotel, um, before we we got to the got on the ship, but it can be a very exhausting flight just to to fly straight over and then get straight on. So so I I think that that's probably a great idea is to take a couple of days to do it.
1: You well you learn that as you start traveling, and most of the people that go to Vietnam and are are seasoned travelers. So I don't think Vietnam. Tell me if you agree, but I I don't think Vietnam would be a place that someone would pick if they'd never traveled anywhere else. They wouldn't go there first.
0: I agree. I mean, people are skeptical of going to Europe sometimes. So, I mean, that's a, that's a way different um, experience. But, you know, it's like once you get on the ship and you feel like you're in some place that's very exotic, but seeing it by boat and and being in that setting, living in that space provides so much comfort as well because it feels familiar and people speak English and, you know, you have the cruise directors who's there to help and all the crew on the ship. And I think that that, if I were to do it again, would, I would do the same thing. I would choose to go by boat.
1: It was a fantastic trip, but I think it was a, to your point, I think it was a combination of the comfortability and the, the luxury of, of the riverboat itself in combination with the excursions, which we can, could easily get to these small villages along the river and these tiny little canals with the small boat tours. And, of course, the staff and the local guides were just fantastic. So it was a combination of these three things that made for a phenomenal experience. It was very comprehensive. If I had to use one word to describe it, I would say it was very comprehensive. And we got a tremendous amount of value for the money that we spent.
0: So, I mean, speaking of excursions and guides and, and, you know, everything, what were some of the highlights? I know that there's so much, it's almost like, for me, looking back at it, you know, I was so young when I went, but the whole thing is a highlight. So it's hard to pick and choose. But you know, if there were like three or four things that you were saying, you know, you have to go on these excursions, which would they be? I think
1: interacting with the local people was a highlight for me. We got to, through our guide, who of course did the translation, we got to speak with individuals that had survived the massacres through the villages when the Khmer Rouge went through Cambodia, for example. The tour guides themselves each had a personal history to talk about their experience and their family's experience and their friends, their friends' experiences during and after the Vietnam War. So it was able to piece it all together. That was a highlight for me. Also, believe it or not, I think the tuk-tuk ride was a highlight for me because walking through the streets of dawn is enjoyable, but it's a little difficult because there's so much commerce and people are on the street and they're eating or they're selling their wares or there's merchandise for sale. And you've got to really be careful where you walk so that you don't trip and fall. And going as simple as it sounds. And so riding a tuk-tuk and being able to ride through the city whether it's Phnom Penh or Saigon, or even Hanoi, was very enjoyable. You got to see more and relax and see people going about their daily lives.
0: And it's so funny that you mention, you know, walking around the city, because my grandmother did the trip a couple of years before I did. And the first thing that she mentioned Mm -hmm. was crossing the street. And you also mentioned that in your story, like it is not an easy task to cross the street. It is not, and
1: you actually have to learn that skill, and we did. The first day we were in Saigon, the first afternoon, because we arrived a bit early, we decided to walk around, and we went to walk across the first street. And We looked at the traffic because there are 11 million people in Saigon in the city, but there are 6 million scooters, and it feels like they're all coming at you at the same time. So we went to walk across the street, and we had no clue how to do it, and traffic lights don't matter, Walk crosswalks don't matter there. So there was a local that came up behind us. He looked at us and he said, follow me. And he helped us get across the street. So that was very beneficial.
0: My grandmother was like, no matter what you think, just keep walking. Don't stop because you'll get hit. Yeah. But they'll <laughs> go around you, you know. So uh,
1: The other thing that was, a high, that was a highlight was the temples. The temples in Cambodia were just beautiful.
0: Yeah. And you had the, you had the great experience of seeing um, some people doing wedding photographs there. Which were stunning. We
1: just happened upon it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. We just happened upon it, and uh, it was just—it was just one of those moments where you just had to take photos. It was pretty crowded there, so I'm surprised that photo turned out so well. There were people everywhere. We just got lucky.
0: And if you haven't read. Um... Paulette's story, I will link that in the description as well, because it is worth a read. I mean, just to compliment you for a second, my, as I said, my grandmother did the trip. And so I let her read over it. And she said, wow, she is a beautiful writer. And I said, I know. And your photos oh, were you. so good. And I mean, I just felt like I was reliving it all over again. So
1: thank you so much. You know, another thing that was what was a fun part of the trip is uh, actually the money in Vietnam. There are about 23,000 Vietnamese dong to the U.S. dollar, and it gets very confusing when you go around to the markets or if you want to stop at a local coffee shop, and the coffee culture in Vietnam is fantastic. Uh, They're a huge exporter of coffee. But we went to the market, for example, to buy a hat for Steve, and uh, a hat that cost U.S. $6 was about 140,000 Vietnamese dong. So you've got the currency, and you're looking at it, and you're thinking – one hundred forty thousand dong seems like a lot of money, but actually, of course, it's not.
0: I know, and it's just—it's so funny that you know when you see values that are that high, just be just because it's—it mm-hmm. doesn't seem easy to work with, but you know, to work with values that are that high. But I, I think that you you raise a good point, and and maybe I'm just kind of processing what you said a bit differently, but even something as little as as money and monetary value you are really transported into a different world when you take this trip and you are going to experience things that you've never experienced and see things and even you know as we said crossing the street it's like everything is different and and I have blonde hair and blue eyes, and everyone was looking at me, like you know, coming up to me and touching me. And I, I really had the best. I got out a pack of gum, and and kids kind of huddled around me, and we have pictures of me passing out sticks of gum to people, you know. And so you're you're having this really really foreign experience, and I mean it's just it's it's really astounding. It is. And one of the experiences that came to light like that for
1: us was walking through one of the villages. There were peanut farmers. There were three generations of families that were farming peanuts right there in the village. And they looked it up, looked up at us and they smiled and we're walking around and the kids are just playing on bicycles and they've got a balloon to play with. That's their toy for the whole day. And Steve and I looked at each other and we recalled taking our grandkids to starbucks and you know they're arguing over whether wi-fi is working properly on their iPads in starbucks it completely transports you to a different world when you go to vietnam
0: and did you get to i know i said something about the rice paper you know going to these villages and just seeing how how these people make money and um going to different to see different farms and um i did you guys do a textile factory tour we saw the
1: silk weaving machines yes we saw the women weaving the rattan mats we did go to the rice paper manufacturing area and these are all authentic experiences i think that's the word i would use because it's it is a trip back in time Uh, immediately from the united states you're thinking of, of OSHA, which is the organization that makes sure that workers have safety glasses and goggles, and, and there's none of that there. It's an, a completely authentic experience, and people do that on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just going to these towns, I, I, I don't know. It's so hard to explain, and I'm i am glad that we're able to talk about it, but I, I, do you think that it's just something – do you think everyone should have this experience?
1: Absolutely. That's why one of the reasons I was so eager to share this experience because it's so different than the way that we live in modern America and it uh, it's just it's such an enriching experience. That's what's great about travel. You really ga- gain a cultural perspective and a global perspective of the world that that you can't have without doing it. So I would encourage everyone <laughs> everyone to go. And the other thing about Vietnam and Cambodia is that it feels like their culture is transforming. There's a lot of change going on there. Uh, China is, uh, is a big player in Cambodia and Vietnam now. They're investing lots of money in infrastructure. And people's lives are changing very rapidly. So if you're there and you can just feel this transformation going on. The young people need an education, so there's an emphasis on educating the young people. And the old ways still prevail. So it's a juxtaposition of old and new, past and present and future. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah. And adding on to that, I mean, what made you you want to go? You said that you heard about the tours through Amma um, Waterways, but uh, did you and your husband just kind of hear about that and say, that's something that we want to do? Or was there a discussion that happened?
1: We did. We've been hearing about Vietnam for about three years. and. I think it was a combination of things that came together. We had such a good experience on the last Amma um, Waterway ship that they had the brochures on the ship. So we were looking at the brochures, and it piqued our interest when we saw the trip on Vietnam. And then by the third time we heard how good Vietnam was, we thought, we're just going to do it while we're still young. So we just made the decision and decided to do it.
0: And I do think that you make a good point about, you know, while we're still young as well, because... There is a lot of walking. I mean, in, in that you see with most river cruises, um, there's a lot of walking. There's a lot of, you know, when you do the ox cart rides, you have to get up into the back of the cart. And so it is something that you want to do with pretty good mobility.
1: It is. And I, I think there's a tendency. I mean, you can let me know what you think. I think there's a tendency to believe that these river cruises are sort of for the older folks where there's not a lot of mobility or there's not a lot of activity going on. I would disagree with that if it's true. I think that would be a misconception. There was plenty of active things to do. And uh, some of the maybe initial concerns that some people might have or that we may have had initially are about personal safety or clean water. And Alma Waterways took such great care of us in that regard that those concerns were completely uh, dispelled. They they passed out hand sanitizer every time we left the ship, it, to the point where we were all joking about it. Every time we got on the bus, there was hand sanitizer passed out to every single person. Uh, they had bottled water in, of course, in the cabin, I mean, in, in the staterooms, every time you left the ship, every time you got on the bus, there was plenty of bottled water. So you have to take precautions, but in terms of personal safety, Actually, I felt a little safer in Vietnam than I do here sometimes. <laughs> Strange as that sounds.
0: No, but but it is true because, I mean, not only are you safe, I mean, you're going through these small towns. Ta- when you're in Ho Chi Minh City, yeah, it's overwhelming, but not any more overwhelming Um than any big town here. I mean, there are people around you. And, and so I think in that setting, it's easy to feel a little bit unsafe, because, you know, someone could reach into your pocket or whatever, what have you. But when you're in these small towns, there's no one around. I mean, you're going and you're taking tours, and you're seeing people, but you're always very aware of your surroundings. And I think that that sense of safety comes from yes being hyper aware of your surroundings because I know that I was because my grandmother is such a warrior and she's like well when you go you need to have a bag that people can't cut through and all this stuff and then when I went I was like <laughs> I was like why was that even something that she was worried about I mean I I never once exactly. felt like I was you know I never felt jeopardized by anything that happened so never thank you. Yeah, exactly exactly the other highlights
1: uh, that uh, that we had uh, that I had were um, that Phnom Penh seemed very modern to us. Uh Hanoi is very modern. So and the the people of Vietnam were extremely friendly and interested in Americans. hmm
0: Yeah, and I think that um I think that there's also maybe a little bit of concern about about the attitude towards Americans, um from some people who may not fully understand um you know, where where we've all come and where we've, you know, where we are now, um, that there is kind of still certain feelings because of the history between us. But I, I never felt any sort of animosity.
1: Not at all. The tour guides talked about that, actually. They said that in part because of the Buddhist culture, the people are forward-looking. The new generation there wants to focus on the future, not on the past. It's almost as if, the what they call the American war and what we call the Vietnam war that was something that belonged to a different generation and not their generation so there's a there's a predominance of young people in Vietnam and they're very forward very forward looking
0: and i do want to go circle back to the point that you made about you know saying that river cruising is often viewed as being for older people and i think that you make a great point in that it doesn't have to be, or it doesn't need to be and and maybe it's not. I do think that we we see a lot of people in their seventies that are looking f- to take river cruises and honestly, I feel like you know as long as you can move, it's a good option, and there are always excursions that you can do that may not be as active as well um but I wanted to know more about the age range on your trip because when I was there there were children I mean six and eight-year-old children and they were they were of course the only children there but I was 14 and we cruised with Christine Karst who is you know one of the co-founders of Ama Waterways and her daughter was there and she was I think 16 at the time so there were young people
1: we didn't see any children on this river cruise now this again is only our second river cruise but on this on this cruise, there were no children. There were about 30% of the ship were Canadians. And they ranged in age, in general, the age group of the ship ranged from, I would say, late 40s to probably early 70s. Um, but again, I think maybe it's the destination, but I I suspect people that looked at the trip for Vietnam saw that there were excursions and they'd be in villages and they they pretty much self-determinant, they would be up for that. And there were no, there were no ADA issues on our tour. There were there, were, there was nobody that came with a cane or a walker or, or any, needed assistance with mobility.
0: And you know what you're signing, you know what you're signing up for. You're not just like going to take a cruise to Vietnam when you know that you have, maybe health issues or, or any sort of mobility issues Exactly. So I think that that's, exactly. that's a good point as well. Like you're, you you people research their trip for a long time before it happens. So
1: <laughs> Exactly. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out is that in Cambodia they take US dollars. So it's very easy to make transactions there if uh, if you need it and but but for the tipping it's important if people are looking at this tour to have small bills for tipping, the tuk-tuk drivers, you know, dollar bills and anything larger pretty much than a $5 bill needs to be brand new money. So they are a little picky about taking U.S. money except for dollar bills for tips.
0: Yep, yep. I mean, brand new money. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, is there anything else that you feel like really stuck out to you? Of course we could, I mean, we could talk about this forever but...
1: We could I just think that, in general, it was a comprehensive trip. It, uh, I had high expectations for the ship because of our previous excursion and a previous river cruise with Palmer um, waterways. All those expectations were met. And then with regard to the excursion, I had no expectations. And I was just completely blown away by the quality of the tour guides and how well they took care of us on the tour and the enrichment that I received from this trip it's just fantastic.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And it is always great to talk about this subject. And it's something that so few people have done. And I am so glad that you had the opportunity. And it sounds like you just had the time of your life.
1: We did. I did. And I would just encourage people to travel more.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on Avid Travel with Britton Frost. I hope that you all have a great week. And I just want to take this uh, moment to tell you that if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, please feel free to email me. My email is always in the description. I look forward to hearing from you. Hopefully I can get another reader on here soon. And I will see you next time, guys. Bye.